Sure. Dear Lord, I'm, I thank you very much that Brother Derek has made it safely back home to his family and that he has the will and the energy for a bit of looking at your word to edify and and to encourage whichever believers come to this study. So I pray that you bless the two of us, and if anyone else comes on to, on the line, I pray that you bless them too. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to carry on our Bible study in Revelation chapter 2. So we're in the middle of one of the uh, one of the tough verses, one of the tough church ages. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. We're just going to take that little phrase there. Ye shall have tribulation. Ten days. Okay. And let me pull up my notes. And it's very interesting that the church historians who wrote about this are in agreement from old times that the ten days were ten years of persecution that happened in Domitian's, the Emperor Domitian's reign. Uh, John Wesley, John Wesley writes, 10 days literally taken in the end of Domitian's persecution, which was stopped by the edict of the Emperor Nerva. And we also have this from the Exposition of the Seven Church Age book, where it says, Thou shalt have tribulation, tribulation ten days. Here is a prophecy, and with it is a means of determining the lifespan of the Smyrnian church age. Diocletian, the cruelest of all emperors, launched a terror campaign against the saints of God that except for the mercy of God would have wiped out all believers. It was the bloodiest in history and lasted ten years, the ten days of Revelations, Two, verse 10 from 302 to 312 very interesting look at the modern understanding of that and how they try and uh, excuse that but we know that this types the persecution and the, the hatred that the Roman Empire had for the truth of Christianity because it refused the emperor worship, which, again, is something that we saw in the Smyrna age, that Smyrna was the center or the beginning of the cult of the worship of Rome as a, as a god. So... Diocletian uh, was uh, came to power in two hundred and eighty four. 
And at that time, he didn't have any, didn't seem to have any particular um, purge or reason to, to attack the Christians, other than they were a general nuisance in the emperor <laughs> or in the empire because they wouldn't obey that commandment to just offer a little bit of incense every year to the Roman god or the god of Rome or to Caesar. Who was that? Stephen? To Caesar, the, the emperor of Rome. You said a word, though. Is it Latin? Uh, no, it was just tired English. I'll put my sound up a little bit more. A little bit, they would refuse to offer a little bit of uh, incense once a year. And then what else did you say? To, to the Roman Empire or Emperor. Yes. yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And so gradually, this was seen as a, religious minorities were seen as a threat to the continuance of the empire and the emperor Diocletian purged the army of Christians and he gathered to himself the bitterest critics and public opponents of Christianity mm. and so those were his advisors and as he gathered them to himself, he asked for um, advice on how to restore past Roman glories, how to be how to be the restorer of the Roman Empire. And one of his advisors told him, "You know, you should." begin a persecution of, of the Christians because these are the people that are the most vocal and the most spreading uh, or spreading the most um, bad news and rejecting the traditions of Rome. Mm -hmm. But because Christianity was such a large call it a sect in the um in the empire he was wary and so he went to uh, an oracle to ask um the uh, oracle there for guidance and the oracle's guidance was to carry on and to persecute the christians so general persecution was called for, and this started in um, AD 303 and lasted to AD 313. But the thing that's really interesting to me is, after he was uh, deposed of, Within 10 years, the Emperor Constantine had taken over as ruler of the empire and he became 
Uh, he was the one who brought the Christianity into the official position of the Roman, uh, you know, an official religion of the Roman Empire. And so that's really fascinating that, in a way, the devil is working by persecuting and then opening his arms in a warm embrace to bring Christianity into the empire. But we know both of those are the Antichrist working against the church. One working in terms of uh, bloody persecution and trying to bring physical death, and the other working in a way of spiritual persecution and getting away from the word. But after the persecutions of uh, Diocletian, the uh, welcome of Constantine, many churches went into that without being aware that they were compromising on the true word of God in gaining that official position with the empire. So it's very interesting. As I said, uh, and hello, Sister Marianne, nice to have you with us. Hello, sorry I'm late. But I have a question about all of this. Sure. At what point did all of these false things come into that church? Uh, Were they already started and, and now just grow and grow, or...? So they were they were already started. So by the time Constantine gets in control, it's that that church is thriving in its false beliefs. Yes. So excuse me. So here's here's a a basic history, really rough and ready of what happens. Okay. Okay. Jerusalem is a center of Christianity because it's where Christianity was born. Alexander became a center of Christianity. That was the capital of uh, the Egyptians. Antioch was, a, was a, a center of Christianity. And then Rome became a center of Christianity because Rome was the... Um, Rome was the capital of the empire. And then one of the Caesars, and I would have to do a little research to, to, um, to nail down who it was. One of the Caesars, uh, in one of the persecutions, said that all Jews had to leave Rome. So what that meant was that the Christians who were of a Jewish background, who had that foundation in the Word of God, in the Old Testament, and that understanding of Paul, they left the Roman Church and other um, influences took over. Okay. And so the, the Bishop of Rome started to be introducing elements of if you like pagan worship and this is well before this time that we're talking about because they were rich and so when Constantine 
put uh, Jerusalem, obviously, that the influence of that church went away when Jerusalem was destroyed. Yeah. Okay, so now you had Antioch, Alexandra, and Rome, and Rome considered itself, because it was the preeminent city in the empire, as the preeminent church. And so when Constantine became emperor, he wanted one state religion. And so he called all the bishops together to have a conference, the Nicene Conference, and to issue a creed that everybody agreed with. And this creed was meant to be, you know, the official Roman emperor's church creed. And so that's so interesting because that creed introduces the first uh, word into a creed that is not actually found in the Bible. I'd have to go back to my notes when I was doing studying this to, uh, but it's, uh, it's the word that means of one substance and it's talking about the Trinity because now instead of, it being uh, moved by God and the church moving by God. Now the church is moving by political influence and the Bishop of Rome has a political influence with the Emperor of Rome that's bigger than his spiritual influence. And even uh, Arrhenius, who studied under Paul, wrote to the Bishop uh of Rome, sorry, Polycarp, wrote to the Bishop of Rome and tried to try and bring him back from some of the heresies that had been introduced into that church in the period of time when the Jews, the, the Christian Jews, were banished from Rome. So when the church was formed as an official recognized religion of the Roman Empire, the errors that were already present in the church, and they were just confirmed because it was Constantine, whose influence, who kind of chaired the committee, uh, presided over the, um, the meeting, it was he who kind of had the final say, because he was bringing the power of Rome to the church. So does that help answer your question without... I'd have to go back to my historical notes to, to actually get good answers for that. Yeah, it does. But does that also then bring in where these different texts come from? Uh, you know, the, 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 the roots of different Bibles. Is that also what came from that time? Uh, yes. So... Uh, again, the the schools in Alexandria, that was the uh, center of learning or one of the great centers of learning in the ancient world. And so there were many heresies that came and many scriptures that were written with the idea that they're, uh, they're providing a look at the gospel from a, a certain standpoint and these were rejected and not put into what's commonly accepted as the canon of scriptures but they came from manuscripts 
that were found that that were written in Alexandria. And then because these manuscripts were preserved, as in they weren't in common use, in the early 19th century, when scholars set about revising the Bible, they considered that these older manuscripts had more authority than the more um, received manuscripts. And that was that provided the basis for a lot of the changes in, say, the New King James Version. And even some of these Bibles that have uh, phrases or even verses missing is because those verses have been taken out of those old manuscripts and then they were given more authority in judging whether they should be included in the new Bibles, which led to Bibles with holes in them, if you like. Mm -hmm. It seems like did the... Uh... Was Paul still living at the time that the Jews were uh, invited to leave Rome? Uh, you know, I don't know. It seemed like Priscilla and Aquila were escapees from that persecution. Yes, that's true. Uh, although I'm not sure because there were several uh, persecutions and several times and like I said I would have to go back to my bible history to okay. see what the uh you know how how the timeline went right there's a clue in one of the in one of Paul's letters somewhere yeah you're right let's see if we can't just find that because that's that's actually uh I don't know if it says the emperor's name though that's uh is that for another time? That, no, that's Acts 18.2. Okay. So we'll, we'll just, uh, and it does uh, say, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and then came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. I call him Aquila. It's not Aquila, it's Aquila. Okay. <laughs> According to my pronunciation Bible. All right, so there it is, right there. But we don't know how the time works out for this. Right. At least not in this Bible study. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Brother Derek. Sorry for sidetracking things. No, <laughs> you're very welcome. And um, because I'm quite tired and I haven't prepared very much. So <laughs> the questions do help, actually. And anyway, I trust you know... Uh, Sister Marianne, I am not at all opposed to these interesting sidetracks. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, so we're just going to look at this uh, 10 years, 10 days being 10 years. <laughs> and we're going to look at that in Second Peter uh chapter three and just say 
just put a word of warning in our ears about how we approach the understanding of biblical prophecy and biblical timelines. Right, because a year... Is there somewhere that where it says a year is a thousand years in the Lord's sight? Well, let's have a look. Second okay. Peter chapter three, verse eight. Well, actually, we'll read from earlier because it's really good. Okay. Uh, the second epistle. This is from verse one because this speaks very clearly to the days that we're now living in. Mm-hmm. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles and of the Lord and Saviour, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so we we know that's the situation we're in now. Where's where's the signs of his coming? Everything's just the same. But in verse 8 it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the repentance. So there we see in Peter, he says a day, he says a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. And if we were to apply that as the universal law of Scripture, we would say that 10 days has to be 10,000 years of persecution, which Mm -hmm. we don't believe it is. And so when we come to understanding timelines and the symbols of timelines in prophecy, that we have to understand what God means and that the same thing can mean different, can have different meanings in different places. Does does that make sense? Yes. And we understand that the reality is God knows what he means and he brings it to pass in his way. And if we get too tied down to saying, well, it has to be this way or it has to be this way because of our understanding of one scripture or another scripture, we can miss when God is actually bringing it to pass, which is not not a good place to be in, really. Because we know Daniel chapter 9, 
Daniel talks of the 70 weeks of Daniel. We'll just turn there just briefly. And in verse 24, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall even in troublesome time. And we know that that's 70 weeks of years, seven year periods are described in that. Which lines up pretty well with what John says in the prophecy that you'll have 10 uh, days and 10 days being 10 years. But really what we should be careful of is making conclusions based on our understanding of the scripture that make us miss what God is actually doing. And that, my dear sisters, is all I have for this evening. Hmm. Okay. I trust it was a blessing. Yes. Thank you, Brother Derek. You're very welcome. Well, shall we commit the rest of the weekend to the Lord in a word of prayer? Yes. Maybe Sister Marianne, would you would you feel like doing that for us? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for the truth of your word, Lord. And in all our struggles and things in life and what we understand or don't understand, but we know we can depend on you to make things clear and always to bring your word that you intend to pass. Thank you for your grace to us, Lord, and and your blessings to us, Lord. And I pray that you will take care of the Americans' family and their family and my children are being more as close to you, guiding us closer walk with you, Lord. And let us be in your service. Um, also inspire the preacher in the coming service Sunday. I quicken your word us. Don't let it go longer because of All right. Well, God bless you all. God bless you, brother. Sweet dreams. Thank you. Mm-hmm.